0: Nothing, not even, I mean, not even an ankle sprain. And I will swear to it. And I promise, I know that the fact that I never had injuries as an um, adolescent female is because of how physically active my childhood was. There was no option to sit in the house and play a video game or even watch a TV show I was lucky if the TV got turned on for 30 minutes for news or Saturday morning cartoons. That was it. Mm -hmm. I was outdoor riding my bike, climbing trees, taking care of chores, riding dirt bikes, horses. I mean, never stopped moving, never stopped being active. And so that in itself, I feel like is literally the only thing that kept me from ever getting injured and that's why now when I you know I see it in my kids I see it in my own kids I'm like come on let's go do something
1: (laughs) welcome to the HNL movement podcast where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities sports and life join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals colleagues clients and you with one goal in mind how to optimize human performance this is the right place to learn how a multi-dimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire welcome back everyone to the h movement podcast thank you very much for joining me for another week for any new listeners Take a look back at some previous episodes, definitely had some great guest interviews, solo episodes. I'm trying to make it a lot of informative content that really helps you to elevate your performance. For all of the returning listeners, thank you again. Thank you for all of the support. I hope that you enjoy this episode. I know I had a lot of fun recording this one. It's with a very good friend, my classmate who I met in grad school. Liz Flanagan is here on the podcast today. She's a fellow athletic trainer at Waianae High School. And she has done amazing things over there, is helping a lot of the kids, is helping the community as well. And this is a great episode just to hear some of the insights between athletic trainers, but also for any athletic trainers there looking to develop the culture of athletic training services in a new environment. Liz shares a lot of great stories. We talk about things of course that she's doing now but we also talk about a lot of things that we experienced through grad school with our curriculum, clinical hours and just becoming certified athletic trainers. I can't believe how fast time has flown by. It's already been about eight years since we graduated in our master's program and became certified athletic trainers. Anyway I don't want to share anything more. This is a great episode. We got a little carried away but bear with us and I hope you enjoy this episode welcome back everyone to the h movement podcast and I have a very special friend my fellow athletic trainers who we went to, uh, through the program with and she was part of my cohort and I would like to welcome Liz Flanagan to the podcast thanks for joining me Liz
0: hi Andrew this is so exciting.
1: This is going to be a great episode. So Liz...
0: <laughs> should Do you need to put like a special um, label, like a warning, possible <laughs> explicit content? Maybe not for children under the age of, I don't know, just, don't just know. giving that warning out there.
1: Yes. But no, we've had some, <laughs> we always have great conversations and it's good to catch up because, you know, with Us being busy with our careers and family and everything, we don't get to talk as much as we did before. But first, let's start about your story. And a lot of this (sighs) we probably haven't even talked about because, you know, in grad school, we're so busy that we get to know each other, but we don't really fully know the entire story. So the first thing that (laughs) I will say about you is everyone listen to this episode because you are the most local person. That's not from Hawaii. <laughs> and, I am the I mean, most,
0: I am the most howly.
1: <laughs> and I mean, when you came here, I was like, you're not from here because it was just like everything about yeah, you, understand I'm the culture.
0: Sure, I'm pretty sure on the first day of class or that first week of class when I was the liaison.
2: Yes.
0: Like liaison, literally. <laughs> that was the title that Dr. Cleary gave me, liaison. And I was like, hmm, okay. I got this talking with everybody. Next thing I know, they're like, Oh, you're from Waianae. Wait, no, 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 no. I'm not from Waianae. (laughs) I'm not from Waianae. No, 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 no. So let's start there. That was interesting. Let's
1: start there. Where are you originally from? And what was your childhood like?
0: Oh, oh my goodness. I have the coolest childhood. So I'm from Wyoming, which when I am teaching at Waianae High School now, and I tell my kids, Oh, I'm from Wyoming. They're like, is that on the big island? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not on the big island. You guys, it's, it's a state, <laughs> one of the 50 in the United States. Yes. Um, so then I forced them to get a map. They have to locate it. They have to look where Wyoming is. And they're like, oh yeah, now I know that one. Grew up on a big ranch, literally shove- shoveling, you know what, for the first 10 years mm-hmm. of my life. And I only had one older brother, so it was just him and I and my stepdad, who were basically tending to all the animals, farming, ranching, maintenance, everything you can possibly imagine. Um, We didn't move into town until I was almost into high school. And that was when I got my 1975 F-250 Ranger lifted with big, huge tires, you know, so excited to show up on my first day of school in this massive truck, license plates that said LZRD, Lizard. LZRD, how's that? You know, I grew up like any small town, you know, Midwest country girl, um, worked hard, never in a million years even knew about what athletic training was in Wyoming, never knew. And so now looking back, like all of my classmates, my, uh, I think I had 22 22 classmates in my graduating class, they're like, wow, you're an athletic trainer and you live in Hawaii. And I'm like the coolest person to leave. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure many of them who are going to probably watch this podcast are thinking the same thing. Like, wow, look at her background. It looks so beautiful.
1: (laughs) No, that's not a virtual background. That's literally your backyard. Yeah,
0: it's literally my yard, front yard. And this is Bailey. Sorry, she's getting a little excited. Relax, Bailey. (laughs) You know, now I think having grown up how I grew up, it gave me a really good work ethic. Number one, number two, I really appreciate places like this because it's not winter for nine months out of the year, (laughs) but recently actually, Andrew, and I don't even know if I, if you, if you knew this, but I got to go home for the first time with all the kids um, to Wyoming in, it was the first time I went back in seven years um, but the first time I had a Wyoming winter in 14 years. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you, when we got off the airplane, I was like, you know what? Maybe not. I, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> it was like six below zero with the wind chill, getting off the airplane, happening to walk through a terminal in middle of nowhere, Wyoming. And the, they couldn't even pull out the ramp for us to get out of the airplane because it got frozen and they couldn't de-ice it. So we had to take the emergency exit off the airplane and walk into the airport. I couldn't even believe it. My kids were, the kids were so shocked. Maka was just like, it hurts mom. It hurts (laughs) feeling the ice cold wind blasting his face. He had no idea how to respond. It was hilarious.
1: You're definitely spoiled living in Hawaii.
0: Yeah, definitely. And look, I'm cold right now. This morning I had on this, this sweater all day. And I was like, Oh, it's only going to be like 75. I'm going to be cold today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have fully acclimated to the Hawaii weather and everything. So going back to growing up, what did you play sports? What kind of activities and extra extracurricular activities did you participate in? What was that like in Wyoming?
0: I, I was the kid that I was mad because there were not enough girls to play competitive sports with. And so I wanted to play with the boys, but they wouldn't let me because no girls don't play sports with boys. You'll get hurt. That's what I always heard until I refused to give up. I played minor league baseball until I was 12. Then they literally wouldn't let girls play. I had to go play softball then, but, um, softball, baseball, basketball, track, um, volleyball. We didn't have soccer cause it's too cold and windy, Soccer was never cool. Neither golf. I never learned how to golf. I still don't know how to golf. Everybody's like, oh Liz, come golfing with me. And I'm like, I grew up in Wyoming. I don't know how to golf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Um, and so super active lifestyle and the most supportive mom you could ever possibly ask for. Never missed a game, never missed practice. And I, you know, now that's shaped me a lot as a mom. So then after I left high school. I was like, I got to get out of Wyoming. So the first person who threw an athletic scholarship in my face, I was like, how far can, can we go? Like, can we go somewhere really far away? And I think the furthest that my mom would agree to was the other side of South Dakota. So I went to a small um, Christian university for a couple of years in South Dakota, played softball and ran track. Mm-hmm. And the first semester, um, my... First track meet, I was getting out of bed, double bunk college dorm, getting out of bed, jumped out of bed, landed wrong, popped my ACL. I knew something was wrong, but I had no idea what was wrong. Toughed it out, hobbled to the bus. By the time we got to however many hour bus ride the place was, we were going. Can you imagine the swelling in my knee? Yeah. Just humongous, right? My coach finally saw it. He was like, "What? What happened?" And he was so amazing. He knew the situation. He said, you know what? You're going to get in your uniform and you're going to go and you're going to warm up for your, try to warm up for your event. You're going to come out of your blocks and that's when you're going to be injured because he knew that the school wouldn't take care of my injury had my injury not happened if I was, if I was playing a sport. So how amazing is that man? Because I would not have been able to continue on in college. So that man doing that for me was something that really changed the direction of how things were going for me had my surgery. And then my coach said, Oh, your athletic trainer is going to do your rehab. I was like, my what? He's like, your athletic trainer. uh, What is, what is that? I (laughs) I had no concept, none, zero. And um, the two athletic trainers who worked with me and did my rehab, I just loved them to death. And when, after, you know, my relationship with them grew and developed and I did my rehab and pushed me and, um, It just, I said, this is exactly what I want to do. I literally walked into the registrar's office and changed my major from English because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was majoring in English, said, I want to be an athletic trainer. How do I do that? Then um, I never, you know, as an athlete, when you have an injury like that, especially back in my day, back way back when, if you don't do the rehab, you know, you can never, you can't ever get back to where you once were. And I didn't value the rehab. And that's also something that helped me now today, because now I know that even though it's hard, that that's what I have to do to push my athletes, because I was able to understand what happens if you don't value the rehab. Um, So, you know, it's a lot of things. And now, even today, things are still happening that I'm like, wow, how did that situation that I was put in or how did that circumstance help shape me so that I can continue to help people, right? This girl who grew up in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming is now, you know, working as an athletic trainer at Waianae High School with hundreds, probably thousands at this time, thousands of kids that know me, know how hard I work, know how important I value education, know how stern I am and how disciplined I, you know, am and the expectations that I hold and all these things. And it's like, never would I have ever imagined back then that this is where I would be today. And this is the type of woman that I would be and the type of athletic trainer that I would
1: be. So you definitely do a great job and we're going to get into all of the great things that you've been doing there, you know, since we graduated, we both graduated But let's backtrack a little bit. So growing up, I mean, obviously you went to play track and softball in college, or at least that's what you were recruited for. But growing up playing all of those different sports, this is a (laughs) two-part question. Was there a favorite sport when you were younger? And the second thing is, how did the weather play a factor into, because you see what, athletics and sports are in Hawaii where things just keep going year round because there's no seasons, right? But yep. up there when you have extreme cold for over half of the year, how did that factor in into how much you could practice your activity level and all of that?
0: It's so funny. You asked me this and immediately I have this flashback of this one time that perfectly describes exactly what you're talking about. It was my, my freshman year, my freshman year in high school. Track season. So for us, track season is the same time as it is here in Hawaii. And it was the end of track season was the state championship. My freshman year, I was running the 100 meter dash. I was so fast. It was ridiculous. I, the tiniest person out there, 100 pounds soaking wet, but running literally like a 12, 100 meter dash. Everybody's like, wow, that girl can run, right? State championship freshman year. The girl next to me, twice my size, she's a senior. She's like literally going on a D1 scholarship after this. And I'm so intimidated and I'm so scared. I just knew I was just going to freeze up, that there's no way that this could, I could do this. And out of nowhere, we're literally on the starting blocks ready for this race. And out of nowhere, this blizzard hit. We're okay. We're talking, um, May in Wyoming and a blizzard comes through in the middle of the state tournament track meet, canceled the track meet. The athlete who was next to me ended up getting the flu. And when they rescheduled the tournament for the next weekend, she couldn't participate. And I won. And my freshman year, I was a state track because of a blizzard. And, and the girl I was competing against ended up getting the flu because she got caught in a blizzard in Wyoming the state track tournament. I mean, That kind of stuff, if I tell my Hawaii athletes that, they'd be like, oh, yeah, well, this one time when we went to the Big Island, it rained on us. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it definitely played a big factor. And we played indoor sports during certain seasons because you cannot play outdoor sports during that time of year. I mean my, um, I called my brother to wish him a happy birthday and he sent me back a video of them up in the mountains on a snow machine. So it's literally still completely winter in Wyoming where I'm from. Mm -hmm. So there's no way that they could be doing outdoor sports like baseball or softball right now. You know what I mean? Yes. So that, yeah, it gives me a good perspective too, which is why I appreciate this so much.
1: Yes. So even (laughs) softball, were there a lot of changes or canceled practices? Or did you guys have indoor facilities where you could at least do BP or throw or whatever?
0: Yeah, no softball was summer. I mean, softball and baseball was summer was the only time we could play it. Yeah, there was no I mean, if it was if it was still winter, there's no way there's no indoor facilities. The only indoor facilities in Wyoming are ranches and Walmarts. That's about it. Those are the only indoor facilities.
1: But what about the, you know, when you start up baseball and softball and the tail end of it, was it starting to get like cold and, you know, the weather was questionable or no, you guys always were able to have a full season? Well,
0: unless it was one of those, we usually had a full season, but unless it was one of those crazy early winters that came out of nowhere, then other than that, we pretty much had a full season. That was the thing that was hard for me when I went from softball, um, in high school to softball in college was a different time it was a different season Mm -hmm. so we did train a lot indoor when i was playing softball in college because you couldn't you couldn't wait until it warmed up to start conditioning and throwing and getting into shape you couldn't
1: so with that think of all of the sports that you tried Were softball and track your favorite or were, did you have other favorite sports that you wish that you pursued in college?
0: Oh, you know what my favorite sport was that I never even, I only got to do it for one year because I hid it from my mom was wrestling. I, I think I would have been a really good wrestler, but my mom was so upset because the only other people, my size and my weight were, you know, boys and she didn't want me wrestling against boys. So I never got to wrestle. But to this day, that is a sport that I just love. And I know if I would have been able to wrestle, I would have been a really good wrestler. But so let's back yeah. up a
1: little bit. How did you hide one season of wrestling from your mom? I think that's what everyone's thinking right now.
0: Yeah. Um, what I did was um, the practice, wrestling practice, started immediately right after school. And my mom thought that I was somewhere else doing another sport until she actually you know got in touch with the coach and the coach is like why isn't liz coming out for basketball and she's like what are you talking about she comes to practice every day oh man i got in big trouble she came into the wrestling room and literally dragged me out by my ears literally so what grade yeah. were you
1: when this happened i
0: i think sixth grade
1: oh younger sixth grade yeah yeah
0: Oh, I was, Andrew, I was playing sports from probably six, probably six.
1: Yes. That's, so schools have competitive school wrestling from intermediate school then.
0: Yeah. Especially in the Midwest. Wrestling is huge. Colorado, Nebraska, Montana.
1: Yeah, That's very different from in Hawaii because unless you're, maybe private schools have intermediate wrestling. I'm not even sure. Um,
0: I actually don't know if St. Louis does. I bet St. Louis does, but then who do those intermediate boys wrestle against? I don't know. Or intermediate kids. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. (laughs) Yeah. We'll find it out. We'll figure it out. (laughs) But that's like um, my son. He's a freshman now at Wynah High School. And I'm like, okay, what sport are you going to play? And well, we're kind of limited now, right? We get Mm -hmm. baseball, softball, track, golf, tennis, and we didn't have enough kids to come out for judo, but I said, what sport do you want to play? And I, this whole time I'm thinking now, what sport do I want to play? Right? <laughs> like what sports do you want to play? And he said, tennis. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, let's do this. And then I'm like, Oh, I don't even know how to play tennis. <laughs> I don't know how to play tennis. I don't even know how to score tennis. I think ping pong would be the closest thing I ever got to tennis. (laughs) So now here I am. I've been an athletic trainer, at to high school for seven years and I'm only now going to have to learn about tennis because my son is deciding to be a tennis player at one high school.
1: So that's good though. You learn these lessons from your, from your kids and they'll teach you so much more than what we've been exposed to. So this is, this is interesting to hear some of the differences of what it was like growing up in Wyoming, but also the, different sports and different issues that you have to overcome, especially the weather and also not only the weather, but, you know, being in a smaller high school, you know, the graduating class is smaller too. So knowing that there's not as much volume or as much participants that kind of limits your choices as well too. Yeah. Moving on. So after high school, you got to play a, collegiate athletics, what division was that and what made you decide besides that you wanted to get out of Wyoming, what made you decide on, I'm going to try to be a dual sport athlete in college mm. and try to play track and softball. Talk us through that thought process and that experience a little bit.
0: If, if I could have, I would have played all the sports in college that I played in high school. I, I wouldn't have chose, I would have chose four or five, as many as I could possibly squeeze in. Even during the time when I was playing softball and running track, I also was doing indoor track. Indoor track was the same time as softball. So I would have indoor track practice and then softball track um, practice in the afternoon. On top of that, I got, I signed up for every sport that they had inside the club leagues so that I could play pickup games whenever somebody needed somebody extra on their team. I literally never left the gym and, oh, it was a D2 school. It was a D2 school. Super small, so that's why I could play more than one sport. The kind of school where my track coach literally bought me cleats because <laughs> he could buy cleats for every player on the team. There was only like six of us. The sports was, what can he, what can I get a full ride scholarship for? What you need me to play basketball? You need me to run track? What do you need me to do? I, I can play whatever it is that you want me to play. So that that point, it pretty much came my decision came about the money, which was an important factor because it's actually not very many kids that get athletic scholarships. And I knew that Um, I was still really had great um, academic scholarships, but I didn't need to use that because I was fortunate enough to be able to get athletic. And that's why I tell a lot of my kids when now they come in and they're like, oh, well, this school and that school and this school and that school. And I'm like, oh, what? It, what's what's so great about that school? Because somebody knows the name of the school mm-hmm. because you're going to tell somebody a story and they're going to know the name of the school. But how much are they going to give you? How many years of university are you going to be able to attend? And so that's why I really try to give emphasis to a lot of my athletes now is that don't put too much weight on what level you know if it's a D1 or a D2 or an um, NAIA. I mean go wherever you're going to get a good education paid for and that you're going to end up having something to fall back on after you finish school. That was, that was a big factor for me. And then fortunately, you know, I was only able to, because of getting injured, tearing my ACL, I tore. Okay. Let's talk about that. So I didn't just tear my ACL. I had an unhappy triad and part of that is the reason why it was so difficult for me to come back from my rehab. And um, because of the severity of the injury of that, um, of that injury, ACL, MCL, and medial meniscus. After surgery, I was immobilized in a straight leg brace to the point that like my, my thigh was literally the same size as you know, my wrist, it was just completely, um, no muscular strength. And it was really challenging for me to come back from that injury. But if I hadn't got injured, I definitely know that I would have gone all four years to mm-hmm. that university or to that school. It, um, university of Sioux falls was the name of the college. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't got injured, I wouldn't have left and gone to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And how's this? I transferred to Arizona walk on, try out, walk on to the softball team. I made the softball team, got a scholarship, just enough to just enough to keep food on the table while I was working a part-time job and going to school. So, you know, it was, it was crazy. And everybody is like, so you have, you went to school in South Dakota, then you transferred, you played softball in Arizona, never even stepped on the field. At, at ASU, never even stepped on the field, but they paid, they gave me money to help me pay for my education. It didn't matter to me at that point. I was just a, you know, practice work dog, workhorse. I was there for some reason, but they were giving, they were paying for that tuition. So, you know, got a, a bachelor's degree in kinesiology and yeah.
1: Looking back now, you suffered that ACL injury your freshman year. So you didn't yep. get to participate in the season?
0: Not in a regular season. We got had it. preseason. Got yeah. it. we had preseason for softball. And then I had just started, um, I had trained for that whole semester. So I was doing both softball and track at the got same it. time. Got training it. for um, having a preseason in softball, training for um, regular season track and first track meet. Got first it. First track meet. And what, never, were, your never got to compete. In,
1: what were your events oh. in track?
0: 100, 200, 4x1, 4x4, four four, and long jump.
1: Got it. And yeah. then in softball, what position did you primarily play?
0: I was a catcher.
1: Got it. See, I yeah. didn't even know all of this about you. So I'm <laughs> learning a ton. Think about your high school career <laughs> or growing up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you suffer any significant injuries or you're, were you pretty lucky?
0: Nothing. Got nothing. It. Not even, I mean, not even an ankle sprain. And I will swear to it. And I promise, I know that the fact that I never had injuries as an um, adolescent female is because of how physically active my childhood was. Mm -hmm. There was no option to sit in the house and play a video game or even watch a TV show. Mm -hmm. I was lucky if the TV got turned on for 30 minutes for news or Saturday morning cartoons, that was it. Mm-hmm. I was outdoor riding my bike, climbing trees, taking care of chores, riding dirt bikes, horses. I mean, never stopped moving, never stopped being active. And so that in itself, I feel like is literally the only thing that kept me from ever getting injured. And that's why now when I, you know, I see it in my kids, I see it in my own kids. I'm like, come on, let's go do something. And yes. oh, so definitely, um, definitely, I'm very fortunate that my childhood gave me an advantage that helped me through my adolescence, especially as a female, because we know our injury, you know what I mean? It's we're so yes. much more likely to get injured.
1: Yes. Thinking back on that. So when you did sustain your injury and it's good. You can share it now, I guess, but you know, in the moment, probably wasn't telling anybody about what actually happened, but think about that time. I'm sure you have tried to reason or, you know, give some reasoning behind what happened, but I mean, it's something that you probably have done many, many times before jump off that top bunk. But if you were to put your finger on a couple possibilities that may have contributed to tearing your ACL, what, what is your best guess?
0: neuromuscular control. So, (laughs) okay. First thing in the morning. And now it's something I do every day. Now I literally make sure that I'm not only waking mentally, but I'm waking physically before I go to get out of bed. And now not going to say ages out loud, but it's even more important for me now. I think than it was back then when I was a well-trained athlete, but Back then, I was a well-trained athlete. I was strong. I was athletic. I was a multi-sport athlete. How are you going to get out of bed and tear your ACL? Like, seriously. I mean, had a little bit of fate in there. My roommate takes off her t-shirt. The t-shirt's on the floor. So Mm -hmm. one of my feet landed on the solid floor and the other foot landed on her shirt. Mm -hmm. And the shirt slipped out, which causes the valgus Mm -hmm. force, including rotation, obviously, since I tore all three of them the biggest thing I think definitely was that I was just jumping out of bed. I was probably half asleep. I don't even know if I probably even went to sleep, you know, college (laughs) days. I was, you know what I mean? Lucky I was jumping out of bed. I'm lucky my alarm went off. But then at the same time, if I had, you know, taken a few minutes to wake myself up, maybe use the ladder to get out of bed, that type of thing would not have happened. So.
1: And that does make sense that you did step on something and slip, you know? So yeah. But it is something that's unfortunate. But looking back now, as you kind of alluded to, it has changed your life path, your career path, and it helped you to not only know what an athletic trainer is, but, you know, become an athletic trainer. But become a
0: very good athletic trainer.
1: So let's talk about that. Your journey now is you went to University of Sioux Falls, you said, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that, you transferred to Arizona State, I believe. And then you actually walked on the softball team. And at that point in time, how was your knee? How were you back to, you know, performing and physical at levels? At that
0: point in time, I, and, that, and this is, I owe it to my athletic trainers because um, um, at the University of Sioux Falls, I, they did a great job with my rehab. They really did. There's just a big difference between a woman who's post-unhappy um, triad surgery When it's a year later and never going back to track, I think it just never, I never could run as fast as I could run before Mm -hmm. talking about just straight up sprinting, running. I never could run as fast as I could before. I still had a very well-developed cardiovascular system. So longer distance, 400, things like that. I was still able to perform at a pretty fast pace, but stepping into softball was A breeze. I mean, was a breeze. And that was because I had good athletic trainers that did my rehab really well to make sure that I didn't just rehab my knee. Right. I Mm -hmm. rehabbed my core and, you know, my proprioceptive system and everything, not just, Oh, make sure she's got full range of motion. It was Mm -hmm. the rehab was there. It was on point. So do
1: you remember if you had a meniscectomy or meniscus repair?
0: You know what? I, I don't know. I never asked back then. And I think it was maybe under my mom's insurance. I'll never know exactly what they did to my knee. I woke up and the thing was sore. That's all I remember.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as a kid, you don't really realize. But I mean, I think our guess would be that you did have a meniscus repair because you were in a straight leg brace for a prolonged period of time, which actually that probably helped your recovery in the long term, if that's what actually happened. So now when you got back into softball, Yep. Performance-wise, did you feel that you were strong enough to at least play and compete? Definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. You know, we see we see athletes that come back from my goodness, multiple ACL ACL tears now. Mm-hmm. I have one of my athletes, 14 years old. She tore her ACL the first time, torn then the other one, then the then back to that one again. She's playing volleyball in college right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was completely supportive of her the whole entire time that you tore your ACL. It's not the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Trust me. It's not mm-hmm. the end of the road. And so having that foresight, like being able to be fortunate enough to say, you know what? I did my rehab from an unhappy triad. I came back. I walked onto the softball team at ASU mm-hmm. just so I could get some scholarship money. I mean, it's, it's doable. Mm-hmm. It's doable for sure.
1: So let's talk about that, that transition from university two falls and how your journey played out and let's talk a little bit about since you're big on academics and getting an education talk about that journey and what kinds of programs and degrees you got along the way oh man how did you end up in Hawaii we're gonna connect to <laughs> Some,
0: that. sometimes when like looking back I'm thinking how many credit hours do I have I I I don't want to go and find out. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. It is a lot. I think from the time when we graduated with our master's from UH, I was in school literally from 2002 at that point. So we graduated 2013. Mm -hmm. Solid 11 years of college. Solid. And (laughs) I have associates of arts degrees. I have associates of science degrees in Psychology, I have a teaching certificate in the state of Arizona. I could go be a a certified teacher. I just have to get my recertification in the state of Arizona. A bachelor's degree in kinesiology from ASU, a bachelor's degree in kinesiology and rehabilitative sciences from University of Hawaii, and master's degree with specialization in athletic training from the University of Hawaii. So that's a lot. And plenty kids, plenty kids, right? Taking care of kids, having kids in between, getting married in between, moving from South Wyoming to South Dakota, to Arizona, to Hawaii, all in the span of what, six years? It was a lot. There was a lot going on.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And that's one of the things that always amazed me about you is that you are taking care of so many different things all at once, so many different responsibilities, and yet you still do everything really well. So let's talk about (laughs) when did you you come to Hawaii? I don't even Um, know this.
0: Yeah, so my ex-husband, who's from Waianae, Mm -hmm. his family all lives in Waianae. I only had my mom that I was living with in Arizona, and her health was, she had an autoimmune disease, battled it for years, God rest in peace. My mom was an amazing woman. If it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have gone as far in school as I would have. She was definitely my motivator. Um, Made sure that I valued the education. So that's where I get that from, definitely from her. She told me that if you want to do something, just go do it. You know what I mean? You want to do something, just go do it. So from the minute I decided I wanted to be an athletic trainer in South Dakota, taking classes at um, ASU was so fun as an athletic trainer because in the athletic training program at Arizona State, they satellite you out to their community colleges. And I was already literally basically being a GA at a community college my first year in athletic training school. And that's not something that many of our, the new and upcoming generation is going to have that advantage. So my timing coming through programs, that especially the one at ASU, was great, which... Tip of the iceberg and warning, ASU is not an accredited school for athletic training. They have an amazing athletic training program, which is ridiculous, but they're not accredited. So somebody report them, get them accredited still to this day, they're not accredited, which explains why I needed to come back and get a second bachelor's degree from the University of Hawaii. University of Hawaii also loves to just only accept University of Hawaii credits. And so what happened when I transferred my credits from ASU over to the University of Hawaii, they didn't accept my degree as a whole and they only accepted partial credits for most of the courses that I took. I had to get my ASU professors to write letters to the Dean at UH Stating, oh, please allow the equivalency of this class to this class based on this grading, whatever their education term was. I don't even remember now. Based on this uh, grading scale it was extremely difficult for me. Extremely difficult. But I the, sometimes I feel like the more obstacles that get set in my way, the more it makes me determined to overcome and do what it is that I want to do. Yes. which I think I get that from my mom too uh-huh. but by the time um, we had come here to Hawaii to live I was raising three of our kids at that time um, and didn't have you know a degree in exercise science from ASU didn't really get my foot in the door in an actual sports science world I I didn't have my personal training certificate. And as you know, that means I couldn't get hired at, you know, a 24 hour fitness or a gym. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an athletic training certification, so I couldn't work as an athletic trainer. It left a very, very small window of job opportunities. So I think for a while I was working at Long's Mm -hmm. here in Waianae in the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Worked there for a while until somebody said you have a bachelor's degree. Why don't you go to UH and get a master's degree? And I was like, oh, what's that going to do? Oh, well, if you have a master's degree, you can get into the entry-level athletic training program, Mm -hmm. graduate, you can be certified athletic trainer. Oh, you know who it was that told me that? Oh, I don't know how I could possibly forget this. And shout out I don't he's probably not going to see this but Glenn Tokunaga, who was the athletic director at uh. winena High school talked to um, one of their coaches who' was the who was um, my father-in-law at the time and he said yeah he wants to hire you as an athletic trainer but he said you don't have the you don't have the certification this was in 2000 wait when did we start school
1: 2011. Was our first year seven
0: ten nine two thousand eight two thousand and eight? They didn't have an athletic trainer at went high school. I, it was probably because Sharon left. I think it was when Sharon left, and then they didn't have an athletic trainer at one in high school. And so he told me, "Oh, you go get your certification, and I'll get you a job at one in high school." He told me that, and I laughed. I'm like, "Yeah, right. What's the likelihood?" That I'm going to go back to school, get a master's degree, and then come back. And there's just going to so happen to be a job open at Wynette High School. Like seriously. Okay. But anyways, skipping too far ahead. But that's why I went back and battled with the the, um, admissions to get my credits. Because they didn't accept all of my credits, I had to repeat, get a second bachelor's degree and start our master's program at the same time. So I was taking 22, 24, and 26 credits a semester.
1: That's right. I do remember. I was, yeah.
0: I was double dipping, had to have permission. So our program director made me get permission from the dean in order for me to be allowed to consecutively be in a uh, bachelor's program and a master's program concurrently at the same time.
1: You didn't even move to Hawaii knowing that we had a – entry-level program it was just by chance
0: Just by chance yeah just by chance that's why these are the things that all these things is this is what i'm talking about when earlier when i gave my big spiel i would have had no idea no idea this little girl from wyoming is going to have to you know going to end up going through all of this and where it's going to take
1: me. yes so. so in 2008 that's when you first learned of this idea of you know the program at uh before that, did you just arrive to Hawaii, or were you here for a little?
0: Um, while? We came to Hawaii. Um, Isabel was, and this is this is me. I'm the kind of mom. My daughter was two weeks old, two weeks old, and we're on an airplane leaving Arizona to come to Hawaii because I was like, "Well, that's when the t- tickets are cheap, so we're getting a ticket. We're going." Uh-huh. So two weeks old. Here I am with um our oldest, who at the time was four. Then my oldest was. One and a half, maybe, let's see, Let's. they're 14 months apart. So Malu was 14 months old. Izzy was two weeks old. All of us on an airplane headed to Hawaii to come and live in Hawaii. And that was only the second time I'd ever even been here. Only the second time I'd ever even been on an airplane.
1: And you were moving to Hawaii.
0: And I was moving to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. So, and white as white can be. I mean, literally rolling into wine. I like, hi guys.
1: (laughs) So what year was this?
0: That was in 2007,
1: 2007. Okay. So it was pretty early on. And then from 2008, that's where you had to retake some classes, I'm assuming. And then I vividly remember because 2010, they weren't accepting students. We're all yep. kind of waiting around. Um, I was waiting yep. around. I didn't even know if I wanted to That's, pursue athletic Yeah, training. that
0: 2010 is when I was still doing some of my undergrad mm-hmm. for my um, KRS program.
1: Got it. Yep. And then after that, we all applied and we got in 2011. So yep. we're going to touch on this a little bit. I know there's so many things we could cover and this could be a whole different episode. But let's talk about the grad experience in athletic training at University of Hawaii. And we only can speak for our program. But for those of you that don't know, the athletic training curriculum, yes, it's involves classroom work, but it's also tons of clinical hours. And we put in, you know, at all of our rotations and all of our sites. I mean, for me, that was more than a full-time job trying to just get <laughs> all of the experience that you need as a student. So let's talk about that. What were some of the first impressions of the program when you got into UH and you were probably more Uh. aware of you know some of the things that were going on like at Waianae High School and at the high school um, than I was familiar with I primarily was just volunteering at UH so that was the only thing that I that I knew back then but what were your your thoughts when you first got in there and how our first year went
0: oh man it was It was so much fun. I just loved all of you guys so much. I was like, look at all of these kids. Look at all of these kids. I just felt like everybody's mom from the first day when we walked in. I was like, come on, come on, you guys, let's go. Let's go do something. So what I think, and the thing that I want to speak for is, especially with our class, things always change through programs. Program directors change, professors change, clinic sites changes, everything changes. But I think because we all, um, did such a good job of supporting each other taking care of each other being there because everything else we were going through was difficult enough. Those million clinical hours. And when I say million, I swear it was a million, (laughs) (laughs) million (laughs) clinical hours and the tests and the hours of studying. And how many times you guys had to use me as an anatomy model, because it was the only bone you could actually palpate in the (laughs) class. Like We had each other's backs. And I think that was a really, really important part of our program. And it's what kind of has made a lot of us kind of stand out and be a little bit more, I guess, I don't know what the word would be. Just like a really good group of people. We have a really good group of people. I wouldn't have traded any of you guys for anything. It was awesome. And the things I think that were super important for us to learn Weren't the things that we were learning in our textbooks. I will always stand by that. I yeah, we can memorize from head to toe, and I know, like when we're sitting for our tests, like we you just want to know everything and you want to have the right answer and you want to remember everything. But at the same time, looking back now, I'm like, oh, all of that stuff didn't even matter. Honestly, I, I feel like all of that stuff didn't even matter. What mattered was how we grew together, the things that we went through and that all of us are doing a fantastic job and being very successful now. So that's what I, that's what sticks with me the most when I think back about our time at
1: UH. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of Oh fun, yeah, fun and times. me
0: being nine months pregnant and <laughs> literally saying a prayer every day that I don't go into labor and my water doesn't break in front of everybody.
1: Yes, yeah, our second year. <sighs> yes, yeah. so yeah. It, there's so many memories and so many good experiences. And I will say... I think all of us felt the same way. Was that, well, okay, to give some perspective. So Liz, I believe you're one or two years older than me. And then Jay, who was also on this podcast. No, I think you're about there. (laughs) And then Jay, who was also on this podcast, is a few years older than us. Yep. So then we had a lot of, like, it was a unique blend of other experiences outside of athletic training and also what we needed to learn in athletic training. But I do remember that, You were kind of that motherly figure for all of us because you had kids of your own and you also had different perspectives of handling and working with student athletes. So that was something that I looked To you for that experience because it really did help the whole class you know to kind of bond together but we did have a special group
2: yeah for sure
1: tons of studying tons of hours i mean there were hard times funny times everything but overall it was a great experience what do you think from our grad program what do you think has helped you to develop into the athletic trainer that you are today
0: oh man wow that's a huge loaded question Perspective, perspective. Every single one of us came from this crazy different background, different families, being raised different, different experiences, different circumstances, different stresses. I mean, all of us came from something different. When we came together as a group, and not even just as our class, even in our, our mm-hmm. clinicals, if we're working with the other, the athletic trainers, mm-hmm. I mean, our, our professors, everybody. When we come together and we find like that, um, that balance and something you can take a strength from this person, like how you said you, something you drew from me. Something I drew from you is Liz, stop being silly every day and pay attention. You need to know what's in this book because I would be laughing at something. I'd look over at you and you're like, I know you're not absorbing this. I know you're not even paying attention right now, right? So a little bit of good and, you know, a little bit of learning something from everybody has really, really shaped me as the athletic trainer that I am now because I take everything with just a literally a huge grain of salt now. Like take everything with a huge grain of salt. There's pretty much nothing I haven't seen. There's no... You know, situation that we didn't have to work through that or overcome challenges, things like that, that now, you know, I'm like, oh, man, I remember that one time or, oh, yeah, this happened before. And it's, you know, it kind of gives me a sense of uh, a sense of strength. Like my experience makes me feel stronger. It makes me feel like a stronger, more confident athletic trainer stronger, confident woman, stronger, confident mother, because I know I can mother all of you guys and still take care of everything that needs to get taken care of, right? So it's, um, I think it's perspective, definitely.
1: No, definitely. And I I think even on that topic, just perspective, because how you viewed things is probably different than what I view things. (laughs) And, you know, like, I don't remember (laughs) it exactly like that, but it is funny to hear from you. The one thing that I will say, you know, every every colleague and every friend and every relationship is a little different. But the one thing with us is that I can tell you something just straight up, upfront, and you <laughs> can do the same to me. And I think that's what really helped us when we got yeah. through certain situations. And even yeah. to this day, we may not talk, you know, super frequently, but every time we talk, it's just like, it's just like, oh, we pick we're up in, right back where we left right. off.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, and it, I'm glad you said that about saying, um, saying anything. Because I think that was something that we was good for um, all of us when we were in school, too, is that we had a lot of strong personalities. We had a lot of strong, independent, intelligent people. And it can be always, sometimes it can be hard to blend that in a harmonious way. Mm -hmm. It can. But now, I mean, you know, that's something that we learned from, we grew from. We each have our own little bucket of each other's tools and traits that we take and we fill up our bucket. Right. So that mm-hmm. to help shape who we are now as athletic trainers, I wouldn't change any of it. And I'm so uh, people, sometimes people are like, Oh, don't, or, you know, you want to go back to school, maybe you can get a PhD or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, no way. I, <laughs> no way. Yeah. A- absolutely not. No way. Mm. I'm, I'm done. I feel very content with everything that, so far that I have in my bucket and am appreciative of how everything that I've gone through from growing up in a ranch to going through a master's program with all of you guys becoming a certified athletic trainer, being an athletic trainer at Wynne High School for seven years now. Mm -hmm. I mean, my bucket is loaded. I have got some powerful tools and, you know, I get a lot of them from you. I watch your stuff all the time, all of your posts. And I'm like, Wow, look at this guy motivates me to keep myself fresh to be aware. Even I mean, when we went to Vegas, you took me to the best places to eat. And how many times I've been to Vegas and how much places I gone but the last time I went with you now I cannot wait to go back to all the places we went to eat. I cannot wait.
1: I know. Yeah, a lot of it was by chance, though. But even that kind of thing, catching up at convention, um, it's always fun to just catch up. And same thing with all of you guys. Every time we talk, you know, it's we all learn and come together again. And I think that's the fun part. Let's transition a little bit more because we do want to touch on what you were working towards came to reality. And after you graduated, we both passed the boards. (laughs) You got your degree you're a certified athletic trainer, and then you got the position at Waianae High School. Talk a little bit more about that and how did that evolve? And, you know, what was it like transitioning to that?
0: Yeah, so just to remind you that when we sat for our board exam, I was three days away from my due date. That's right. Three days away from Maka's due date. And two weeks after... We passed our, we found out we passed the board exam. Oh no, two weeks after we took the exam, I went into labor, had MACA. Mm -hmm. Two weeks after we had MACA, we found out we all passed. Two months after that, we were in Vegas at NATA at the convention. That's when we got, literally, that's when we got our paper, right? For our our licensure for Mm -hmm. getting our EBPs and our CEUs. So then I could actually get employed and seriously, what opens up, if not a full time athletic training position at Wainan High School, effective immediately? Got hired three months after we graduated as an emergency hire at Wainan High School.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You cannot line, you cannot time those things out. It just, yeah, you, can, you can't, and you can't make this stuff up. Seriously, yeah. you can't make it up. And, um, That's what I wanted to rub in, too, is because I remember when when we got our results back from our test, I scored the highest score and you scored the second highest score. And I remember thinking, I scored higher than Andrew. I scored higher than Andrew. No, I don't
1: think I was. I don't think I was the second highest score. Honestly, I'm
0: pretty sure you were. I think I don't think so. Well, as long as I scored higher than you, I was like. (laughs) I'm saying he's the smartest kid in our class. And I scored higher than him. I must have just guessed lucky on a couple of those. Seriously, I had no oh, idea. Man. But I just always wanted love reminding you of that. But so then there I am literally going in a six-month time span of graduating, you know, sitting for a board exam, graduating with a master's degree, having a baby, getting a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Then that Christmas, I sat back and I was like, well, <laughs> What what do I do now? What do I what do I do now? Yeah. Do I, do I do now? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Now well, I you've now definitely I... done
1: a lot since then and you've yeah. been there for over 7 years now and even yep. you know navigating through the covid year and obviously <sighs> making an impact on a lot of different student athletes. So let's talk about that a little bit. What are you know, I know what you're like when you're working. I know the positive message that you're trying to be a figure that people look up to, you know, beyond just taking care of injuries and also getting everything that you've experienced through athletic trainers, colleagues, and the knowledge that we learn to try to help them in whatever way that you can. But thinking about the past seven or eight years, what is, I guess, the most memorable things that you do on a yearly basis? And Mm -hmm. what is, your job? Like if someone, someone were to ask, what is it like working at YNA high school as an athletic trainer?
0: Well, it's, it's definitely changed from when I first started until now, things always change, but the most stable. And I think the most significant thing is that I never realized when I started at YNA high school, when I was young, you don't really kind of think too much like oh what kind of athletic trainer am i going to be in 10 years what you know what kind of athletic trainer am i going to be in 10 years you just i was excited to be an athletic trainer oh you want your ankle tape yeah right excited to be an athletic trainer when in high school can be a difficult mm-hmm. situation i am female obviously i am white obviously I'm a lot younger than most of the coaches and most of, you know, the other administration that was there. It could have been a difficult situation, but I am like seriously was meant to be in Waianae hands down. And I will never go anywhere else ever. Mm -hmm. I learned really quickly how to connect with my athletes, how to make sure that I am respected, enforced discipline. And I mean, it's people are like, wow, those are the first two things that Liz says. Oh, when Liz gives an instruction, it is followed to the T. There's no, oh, but miss. That's what I hear a lot. No, my student athletes know, my students know, structured discipline, accountability are important. Those are not the things that I thought as an athletic trainer that were going to be the most important thing that I could give As far as my career goes, talking to a kid, sometimes literally being the only person that some of my athletes can come to with issues that they're dealing with, being the only person that they want to come with because they can't really trust or they're afraid. Right. I mean, things that dealing with things that when we were in school, this kind of stuff was not taught to us. It wasn't taught to us because we didn't get a master's degree in psychology, right? But by far, the biggest and most important part and the biggest influence that I have had at Wynn High School over these years has been as a figure, right? I have students who are now pursuing degrees in athletic training, literally only because of me. They went through an experience, I helped them. They now know that this is exactly the type of thing that they want to do. So that's exactly what is the most memorable thing for me. It's not how well of a rehab I did, how many ankles I taped or how clean my training room is, or any, any of the other 10,000 do- normal daily things that I do as an athletic trainer on the day. The things that matters is that I have a kid that emailed me that she's got a 4.0 at Whitworth and she's studying athletic training right now mm-hmm. and gives me credit for that. So that right there is the biggest by far factor for me. I have some of the most amazing kids, like kids that they literally become like my own children. They're like, they call me mom. They, when they're having a hard time dealing with something, they're not even my athletes anymore. They're in college. Some of them are having kids and they're calling me because they need advice on how to treat diaper rash. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. There there's no, you know, there's no um athletic trainer label there anymore. That's that's just personal connection. That's just like that advantage that we get to have in our job that lives we get to touch mm-hmm. and relationships that aren't just going to finish when this athlete is done with their season. These mm-hmm. are relationships that are we're forming now to carry on for the rest of our life. And I love it because it helps keep me in check. Like, don't forget, Liz. How many of these kids are looking up to you? Don't forget, Liz. When you want to lose it in sack and save because somebody's somebody's got a problem. Don't lose it because half of these kids in the store are your kids, and they're going to see you acting nuts. Don't lose it, right? I mean, little things like that. So I think it's definitely more um, not really about the taping ankles and the filling water coolers. It's by far more about the relationships, the connections, and and I just get to be a mom and I'm like really good at being a mom. So I get to just be a really good mom to a lot of kids. And that's what I love. And I'll never, I'll never go anywhere. I love Waianae kids. They're the best.
1: I mean, you definitely can tell that you love your job. You love what you do. And I like what you've done there to support and create your own culture at Mm -hmm. Waianae high school, because that's what Mm -hmm. it is. You know, once you create some, you know, they know that you care. They know that you're there to support and help them, but you make it in a way that's productive to everybody to create a good program that supports the athletic department. That's something that you have done. And I'm glad to hear that it's going really well. And you know, everything that you're going to do in the future too. On that note, I do want to say when you did come and move to Hawaii and when I first met you, which is probably, I want to say 100% of the people when they meet you they do not think that you're not born and raised in Hawaii. And again, this relates to what you've built there because that is part of the trust, right? Especially yeah. with the local community, especially with you know people that are older than you that have been there for a long time. I think yep. it's making them understand and it's beyond just, you know, the way that you're talking and things like that. It's understanding the culture that was there. Yeah. What is important to these families, what is you know what their values are so that's something that as far as I've known you that's why even to this day sometimes I forget that oh yeah you're from Wyoming you know so then when you talk about certain things I'm like oh yeah I I forgot that you know that's part of your upbringing but then most people see you as a true local I do want to share one story and then you can elaborate on this to the point where like I mean living in Waianae it's going to be you know you're like once you're in that community they're either going to love you and take care of you or they're not you know like I mean that's everybody that's born and raised and it's
0: it's an earned it's an earned thing it's an earned thing
1: I can honestly say that you know living in Waianae for that long it was definitely you were part of their community but I remember one time and this is the story that sticks out to me (laughs) is that one time you came to class one day I don't even know what class it was but then you came in and you kind of told us you aren't going to believe what happened to me today. And <laughs> I specifically can correct some of the things that I I have wrong. But I remember you saying, I don't know, you were like going into a 7-Eleven and you walked out of the 7-Eleven and this kid tapped you on the shoulder. You turned around and she punched you in the face. And I'm thinking like, what in the world? What happened? What did you do? And then it was like, you didn't know them, no reason or anything. And the nope. fact that you were just like, ah, eh, you know, like, I don't know what the reason was, but then I just got punched in the face and I'm not going to you know, think any more of that. I was kind of thinking like, you know, if it was anyone else, you <laughs> probably would have taken some kind of action. You know, I don't, I don't want to say if it's good or bad or anything, but just because you're part of the community and part of the culture and you understand, I guess, differences, I was just kind of like, wow, you're really, so I, okay. I remember
0: that day. Okay. <laughs> yes. It, so They didn't, okay, there was, I'm trying to think of a nice word to say this. Uh A houseless person who was addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. was outside of Mm 7-Eleven. And I am the type of person that if somebody's sitting outside, I'd rather Mm -hmm. not give cash. I would rather, oh, Mm -hmm. you hungry? You want something to drink? Whatever. Mm -hmm. So I asked this person if they wanted a cup of coffee. I was making, going in to make coffee. Then I came back out and I was handing them their coffee and they got upset and swung and hit the coffee and the coffee went flying
2: oh and
0: then they were like getting aggressive towards me they must have been disoriented whatever and sure enough one of my somebody who knew me a friend of a friend was pumping gas at the time and saw the commotion and came over and rescued me so that I didn't get beat up at 4.30 in the morning outside of 7-Eleven in, in YNAI. Uh-huh. So, it yeah, that was one of those times when I was like, oh, you guys, guess what happened this morning? You're not going to believe it. But I thought you got, got punched. Uh, it was like a, a, maybe an open hand punch. Like, oh, got it. <laughs> I mean, I got hit. I know that for yeah. sure. But it was, it was, I, somebody came to my rescue and that's why I remember saying like, see, got it. It's okay. I, I know people know me. I'm going to be okay. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it there's I haven't actually had very many of those things happen. I mm-hmm. everybody knows me. That's why. Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows me. Yes. I, sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I feel so terrible because I cannot even my kids, I can't re- I mean there's so many mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of kids. I can't remember everybody's name. I can't remember Oh what class did I teach you in or what year did yeah. you graduate now it's like seven years of kids it's kind of all blurring all together and mm-hmm. um but it's those relationships that come mm-hmm. back right and that's why I just love it so much because I've had so many of those good positive relationships mm-hmm. that make it to where i I don't feel like an outsider in this community at all i I don't look at I don't <laughs> see my my skin is any different than anybody else's mm-hmm. skin. I don't talk different than anybody else. Now, I, like, I literally sometimes have to correct myself because I'm speaking more poor English than my students. <laughs> what, bro? Where did things soar? Why? Why you never tell me the first time? Huh? <laughs> no, I know you never told me. I know you never told me. I would remember you and tell me, and I know you never told me.
2: Yeah.
0: I, and they're looking at me like, wow, miss, right? And I'm like, okay, wait. I, what I meant to say was, please tell me why you didn't explain this to me the first time that this yeah. happened. So yeah. <laughs> sometimes I forget to switch it on and off. Right.
1: So about that, you know, you got to share a little bit. So picking up pigeon, because people that know you, it's like, it's just natural already, you know, it is natural. So picking up pigeon, how did that happen? And you know, what, was it something, cause I think a lot of people and I speak for a lot of people that I know personally, they're like, what are you saying? You know, if I go to the mainland and sometimes it's like, I'm not even talking that differently, I think, but they're like, what are you trying to say? And you know, it is a different in dialect or accent. So how did that happen? When you, when you started like, you know, picking it up naturally, I want to say.
0: Okay. When I was getting my second undergrad at UH, mm-hmm. I already had a lot of the classes that I already needed for the degree, but I wanted to take other classes. I wanted to take Hawaiian language. I wanted to take Hawaiian studies. I wanted to do a clinical Hawaiian class so I could work in the lo'i and learn. Like I love culture, every kind of culture, not just Hawaiian culture, every kind of culture. I can't even wait to go back to Ireland to explore my own culture because I've never had the opportunity to do that in that I had good professors. You don't just learn the culture. You learn the lifestyle. You mm-hmm. learn, you know, what's important to mm-hmm. people, right? And it just was kind of like something that was already already who I was. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was already who I was. So it just came really naturally. But I didn't realize how naturally everything was going to come. I didn't realize I was going to literally have kids that think that I was – graduated Wynat High School and I'm a Wynat High School alumni that's what most all of the kids think like oh Ole Miss what year are you in grad what you what are you talking about graduate high school 2002 oh my mom in grad 2002 shut up get (laughs) get away from me shut up (laughs) I'm not not your mom's classmate
1: (laughs) but that explains a lot why it's you know you fit in and you support so well because you take it a point to go above and beyond and understand the culture, mm-hmm. the lifestyle and everything that goes on in this community, you know, well, and in Hawaii too.
0: And Andrew, Wainai High School has, it, it has a reputation. Wainai High School has a reputation. It doesn't have a good reputation. It doesn't mean it's not a good school. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. love to be an advocate for Wainai High School.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We have our challenges. I mean, I have gone to bat i mean mm-hmm. head to head head banging with coaches that mm-hmm. you know don't now they're like some of my best friends so i can say this but they didn't respect me mm-hmm. they looked at me like oh this girl doesn't know what she's talking about oh mm-hmm. look at this howly. she just wants to um make all these rules and mm-hmm. this is not this is not wine eye style
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh how many oh andrew it has gotten ugly it has mm-hmm. gotten really ugly but I've always stood my ground. And that's why I think another big thing is that I always stood my ground. I always knew the choices I was making and the things that I was doing was in what's in best interest for Mm -hmm. my kids, for their future, for not just them as an athlete, Mm -hmm. Mm okay? These kids don't need an athletic trainer. They need a good example, right? Mm -hmm. Of the type of person that they should grow up to be. But at the same time, I'm the one, I will sit on that sideline and I will sit on that wrestling mat. And if, if things are not okay, I'm not just going to sit there and not say anything and be a polite,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: person, I will lose it. And they, and they all know that, Oh, we don't want us like set Liz off. We don't want to get her to that point. And, you know, it's taken a lot of years and a lot of battles and I wouldn't change any of those battles for anything because mm-hmm. it has made it now. So I can kind of, kick back a little bit now right like Uh there's those relationships are established those battles have been fought the respect is there the trust the trust Mm -hmm. the trust is there between my coaches my athletes my administration you know the trust is a big 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 part of it so um I have now literally some of the coaches that I had to you know fight battles with and go rounds and rounds with are the ones who are there for me all the time and Mm -hmm. you know really good friends now it's almost like a family and that's why I love it
1: and for yeah. anyone listening I mean this is something that it takes time to build this trust and culture yeah. and get all of this so you know it's something that I'm really happy <laughs> to see what you've created at Waianae. Um, it's something that you know in different situations it might take it might take a little longer sometimes it might be a little faster but just right. keep working for like what you said, what's in best interest? What's for in us.
0: best interest? Yep. The
1: kids, their future, their health. Um, also, yeah. you know, for the program and everything too. And I, I can tell you definitely have done all of that. Now with everything being, you know, really good, I'm glad that you navigated through COVID and everything. I know that you got to get back to Hawaii this afternoon, so we won't keep it too yeah. much longer. But anything that you got going on, what's next for you? What are you looking forward to? What are some of the things that you want to see, I guess you head in that direction in the next Mm. few years?
0: Good question. Have I asked myself that question yet? (laughs) Coming out of, well, COVID was a time I got to spend a lot of time with my kids, which was a blessing for me. I missed work a lot, like a lot. I missed my kids and even though it's not the same now you know the interaction some things you know they're more spaced out and it's not it's not the same way that it used to be but at least just getting to see a kid light up like oh liz oh i haven't seen you in so long how are you getting back to somewhat of a you know normalcy looking forward to sports I'm excited because now my kids are becoming high school age and they're going to be playing sports. Mm -hmm. So I think something definitely that I want to look, that I'm going to be looking forward to is getting to be a a mom athletic trainer. (laughs) I am fortunate to get to finally wear that double hat. I just, I don't think like I have this big one goal or working towards anything. I think I finally feel really comfortable and really stable. Uh, I didn't really feel much panic about going back with covid Um, I trusted my judgment. I trusted how our school was going to work through everything, which I know will continue as Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, things get better and keep going and get back to normal. But I think just almost kind of getting to enjoy things a little bit is where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking for I just I hate virtual everything. I hate it. So that's definitely the one thing, the further I can get away from the computer and virtual life for a little while, I think is going to be important getting back to doing things that I like to do in my free time. I like to be active hiking, stand up on my paddleboard. I'm almost there. I almost can surf on my paddleboard. Almost, you know, just getting to enjoy, enjoy things for a while. That's where I'm at at this point.
1: That's a very good place to be at. And for any of your kids, your student athletes that may listen to this or see this in the Mm -hmm. future, what is the one message that you continually want to reinforce and share with your kids at Waianae High School?
0: Oh, I think definitely the message is, oh man, good question. (laughs) A message to my kids. Um, Don't forget what mom did for you because she's going to need a new training room. I'm like, I, every one of my kids, I'm like, can you please grow up and become like a millionaire and come back and build me a training room? Because my training room is still a laundry room. It says laundry room right on the outside. No, that's not my message to my kids. That's my guilt trip to my kids. I have one of my athletes is um, playing football at USC. And I'm like, Come on, NFL. Come on. I got to have one. Let's go. Let's do this. (laughs) Then he can become a millionaire and then he's going to buy me a trading room. No, I'm just kidding. Don't let your hopes and dreams ride on anything like that. (laughs) Academics first. Message to my kids.
1: Or to any kids.
0: Yeah. If you're the type of person that knows that helping someone or helping um, somebody overcome something, achieve something. Um, if you're goal-driven, if you find almost a little bit more um, value in yourself when you're giving to others and when you're being unselfish, look into athletic training because as hard as it may be to go to school, as many things as we have to learn and the knowledge base that we have to have, which can be overwhelming and it can be very hard and challenging, do it because there's honestly, I cannot think of a better way to leave a legacy to be a person that somebody's going to look back and remember 20 years from now that somebody is going to relate, you know, a positive attach a, a positive memory to you. Right. Like be that good. That's what I, that's what I would the message that I want to send my kids is be the goodness life is really hard. Let's not make it harder than it already is. Help each other, help one another, yeah that's what i want to say to my kids
1: that's a great message and i can (laughs) tell all of your kids already know this but you know they do doing what you're doing at why high school and it's always great to catch up we got to catch up in person again soon but thanks so much and you know i look forward to everything else that we're both going to do in the future and we'll definitely catch up soon but thanks so much liz for joining me today
0: you're the bomb andrew thank you